Got a goal at the four. They've got Tomlinson in the backfield. The lead block, he goes in on the back of Vasquez. That's a four-yard touchdown run. Number 150 in his career. He is the fastest to get to that touchdown total of 150 in the What is up, Football Nation? It is June 20th, 2012. Football Nation presents the Sportscasters Podcast, episode number 12 already. That means three months, Don. Wow. I am the host, Steve Bennett. My co-host is Don Russ. Got a great show for you today. Michael Fabiano, the uh, fantasy editor for the NFL Network and NFL.com, is going to join us to talk a little fantasy football today. want to thank everyone out there in the Football Nation who made last week's podcast and our interview with Ian Rappaport such a success was the highest downloaded episode of the show since episode one with Peter King. So I want to thank everyone who listened to our interview with Ian. Got to say, Don, I was a little surprised. I didn't know that Ian Rappaport had quite the poll that he had. No, I didn't either. That's awesome. Uh, once again, it's Football Nation presenting the Sportscasters. Uh, it's a scaled-down version of the original Sportscasters podcast. We focus exclusively on the National Football League and Division One football here. You can find the podcast at www.footballnation.com. Find our other podcasts at www.sports-casters.com. This week we have Alan Shipnuck, Ed Sherman, and Joe Lemire and what we call the Sportscasters proper. Uh, as far as football goes, interesting spot. So OTAs are essentially over, and most teams are having mini camps, which are different because mini camps aren't optional. Correct. And when mini camps are done, that's essentially it for each team's off-season program Before. until training camp. Right. So it could get a little slow around here quick the next couple of weeks through the 4th of July. But we have a really nice plan, uh, starting with two fantasy shows. Uh, this week, like I said, we have Michael Fabiano. And next week we have Jay Clemens, who does fantasy football for the National Football Post and also for Bleacher Report, and who used to do it for SI.com. So... We do a lot of fantasy football in the next couple of weeks. Talk about things like mock drafts and upside and all those other buzzwords <laughs> that you associate with fantasy football. But before we get to Michael Fabiano today, let's go around the league. And the way we do that is three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever! <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep! Now let's move on to other business. In the open, you heard Tomlinson score his 150th touchdown of his career. Kind of an understated call a little bit there. No but, uh, yeah, one of the all-time greats, LaDainian Tomlinson, retires. Finishes fifth all-time in rushing yards. Just... An all-time great player since we're talking fantasy a lot these next couple weeks. He's really the guy when I first started fantasy. I mean, Falk was there. Maybe he was the one that took over the torch from Falk. Uh, maybe it was Priest Holmes somewhere in between there too. But Tomlinson's been the man. He was the number one pick for probably six, seven years in fantasy. So right. Um, real, real life, no, no brain, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Our uh, guest today, Michael Fabiano, had a pull. On NFL.com, if Tomlinson was the best fantasy 
running back ever. And here's the top five. Uh, number five was Emmett Smith. Number four, this Sean. Is based on the poll or stats? Based on the poll. So okay. this is as the fans drafted or voted at NFL.com on who's the best fantasy running back of all time. Five is Emmett Smith, four is Sean Alexander, three Priest Holmes, two Marshall Falk, and one Ladanian Tomlinson. So there you go. Yeah, those, I mean, are, are clearly voted on because a guy like O.J. Simpson would have had some huge years. Although he wasn't a fantasy football. There's no fantasy football in O.J. Right, time. right. But that's what I – what about, like, Terrell Davis? Like, he would have had some monster Probably years. a short period. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't believe that Priest Holmes was around 10 years to get top fantasy numbers. But if Emmett was around, that means Barry Sanders was probably around. Right, then. and Thurman, Thurman Thomas. Thomas. Right, yeah, definitely so, could have been in there. Interesting poll. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see if somebody would go back and just do the numbers, like do standard scoring and maybe more. Out. Maybe more interesting than that. I'm kind of hijacking your thing here a little bit, but uh, I mentioned on the other show that Peter King had a really interesting breakdown and comparison be- in his Monday Morning Quarterback column uh, between Falk and Tomlinson. And Falk, Tomlinson is kind of the the multi-purpose back. You know the. Uh, yeah, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. Even we talked just, a little bit about how he, he throws yeah. the ball. He threw for some touchdown passes in there, and um, he compared the seven best seasons of Tomlinson and Falk, and it's 108 games for Falk, 13,874 yards, 128.4 yards a game, 1982 yards a season. 5.67 yards a touch, 103 touchdowns. So almost 2,000 all-purpose yards every season. Tomlinson played 111 games, had 14,025 total yards, 126 yards per game, 2,003 yards, 0.6 a season, 4.97 a touch, 129 total touchdowns. Unbelievable numbers. The only difference, I suppose, is Falk got a ring. Tomlinson didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the more disappointing moments in Tomlinson's career, I can picture him standing on the sidelines in New England with a long jacket and a Darth Vader football mask on. He is one of like you know, he's a guy like uh, like a Larry Fitzgerald too, where he's a real easy guy to root for. He always seemed like a likable player, so it, it is a bummer, I guess, that he retires without a ring. But yeah, even his passing numbers. I'm looking at Pro Football Reference. He was eight of twelve in his career with seven touchdown passes, which Fish came out. Which yeah came out to 146.9 passer rating. Nice. So just cool little stat. I mean, this guy did it all. So congratulations to LDT. All right. Uh, my first thing today. Uh, I wish this didn't have to keep coming up, but it does. It seems like it's never going to go away. Kind of some advancements on the Saints bounty front. Uh, Commissioner Goodell heard the appeals of the four suspended players yesterday in New York City. Jonathan Vilma left the proceedings after about 90 minutes and basically said that the whole thing was a sham. Uh, Some evidence was presented to the players and then was presented to 12 members of the media that were there. The evidence isn't quite as, I guess, outrageous as you might have thought based on hearing that video, that piece of video that we heard. Right, yeah, we said this a little bit on the other podcast, but you hear the... Or maybe this was off the air, but you hear the video or the the audio of Greg Williams, and it's disgusting. But he doesn't actually blatantly come out and talk about dollars. Yeah, so it it's not exactly like, proof as much as it is just a and condemnation. It seems of like him. a lot of the stuff they have is like what's not illegal, and that's getting extra money for performance. 
Right. You know, like you can pay a guy twenty grand just for, for a, a sack. Right. The thing you can't do is pay him an extra twenty grand if the quarterback breaks his leg. But I guess Drew Brees didn't think that the evidence was all that great and compared it on Twitter to the evidence for weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> he since apologized for that and said he didn't mean to be insensitive towards the troops. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the commissioner is going to leave the record open for the rest of the week if any of the players want to get on the record. Basically, I, I doubt he's going to do anything for these guys. The suspensions are going to stand just like they did for the coaches. Now, none of this evidence is public yet right well yeah i mean whatever they showed the reporters the reporters have been able to oh they have report huh be interesting know, to there's been some i haven't read about this i'd be interesting to hear the the i read about a handwritten a handwritten letter that's presented typed which is supposedly really unusual no one oh, can okay. quite understand why these handwritten letters were Words. typed yeah uh peter king again at si.com has uh some of the some of the evidence I can read some of it. Um, testimony from disgraced defensive coordinator Greg Williams to the league, in which he said he knew the program was rolling the dice with player safety, and someone could have been maimed. Uh, so there's that. Uh, a handwritten note from Saints defensive coach that the defense pledged thirty grand for a defender to knock Brett Favre out of the January 10th NFC Championship game, including a five thousand dollar pledge to the kitty from current Saints interim coach Joe Vitt. Uh, three sources the NFL claims to have who told league investigators Jonathan Vilma spurred the bounty on Favre by offering ten grand himself during a night before the game motivational speech, uh, raising his hands, each of which held stacks of bills that he had two five stacks to give to the player who knocked Favre to the game. So it's stuff like that. I, I think what's going to be interesting to see, and I'm not sure how it would work, because I mean I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the laws regarding this thing, but. Vilma and these players filed for appeals, but they appealed to the league that suspended them. Right, and I that's what Vilma next, thinks is a joke. I wonder if the next step is for Vilma to file some sort of lawsuit. He has, right? Oh, has he? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's when these players that have... He filed a defamation lawsuit. Okay, right. That's when these players that have been like the anonymous sources and stuff will probably have to come forward or yeah. back down from what they've said. Uh, go in, away, Bounty. In other NFL news, we've talked on the Sportscasters podcast before about the All-22 film, which is something I learned about, I believe, last year during the season, that it's the coach's film that it's like a real high-angle film where you can see the entire film, all, all 22 players. For whatever reason, for years, they haven't, they've never had this film available to the fans. Uh, there wasn't really a great reason. People couldn't figure out if it was just a way to be – they didn't want people being overly critical of coaches, but that doesn't seem right. Why would they protect coaches? People are going to be critical of them regardless. But it would be an interesting view where sometimes you'll see on TV like a, a guy fall down or a quarterback throw the ball to the wrong spot. Well, maybe with this all-22 view, you can see like why the guy fell or if a route was run wrong and all that type of stuff. Well, the NFL is finally going to do, I guess – the right thing and they're going to make this available but it's going to be a part of a special package the nfl dot nfl.com sells something called the game rewind uh maybe we could talk to fabiano about this he's associated with nfl.com but uh a 34.99 option lets you follow one team a package of 39.99 gives you the game rewind for every nfl game throughout the season and classic super bowl games and a 69.99 seasons plus super fans package 
and the lower all the packages or the top package will include the all 22 footage from every play in every game which look i'm not going to pay for but it is because i'm not that into coaching and but stuff it's like great that. for people but who want a great outline really cool. and things like yeah. that certainly if you want to be the most knowledgeable fan out there this is the way to do it to watch this all 22 right if you're a huge x's and o's nerd i mean you've got to be drooling over this that they've they've finally done this and, and good for the league i mean they're going to make a lot of money on this probably and they're going to get fans what they want and it's not a huge huge price tag you know it's interesting because when we had greg cassell from nfl films on this podcast only a couple of months ago he thought it would never be made available. So here we are just I, a couple I, months later and I don't it's available. I don't understand the secrecy. Do you remember what his reason was for why he thought it? I mean, it, are they really protecting coaches? Like, yeah, I don't I don't remember him having a great reason either. Huh. But, yep, it's out there for you now. If you're a huge, like I said, X's and O's nerd, go go get it. 70 bucks and it's yours. All right. My number two thing today, uh, Forbes dropped its list of the highest paid, um, world's 100 highest paid athletes. And uh, Floyd Mayweather is number one on the list, $85 million. And this combines money made on the field or ring or court and endorsements. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, all, it's all of it. Total earnings, salary and earnings, salary and winnings plus endorsements. I did hear something on probably ESPN radio or something driving home the other day that boxing – is kind of dying in the states but it's huge i guess worldwide they say it's like second to only soccer on the worldwide scale which is crazy to me but well number one is is floyd mayweather number two is manny pacquiao yeah number three still tiger woods number four lebron james tiger woods huh that's amazing number five roger federer number six kobe bryant what are we missing football players right uh the first football player on the list is peyton manning at number 10 um cut that meat yep uh, 42 million, 42.4 million led the way. Uh, good enough for number 10 behind a smattering of soccer, soccer players, boxers, and LeBron James. Uh, Manning can thank the Colts for 26.4 million of his haul and the Denver Broncos for the rest. Uh, Peyton ranked in another 10 million plus in endorsement deals. Don, who would you think the number two football player is? And I'll tell you this, he's number 12 on the list. Earning $37.3 million. Is that a quarterback? No. Jeez. Wow. I have no idea. Haloti Naha. Really? Yes. Wow. Haloti Nada, number 12. Uh, other football notables on the list, number 13, Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. Uh, Detroit Lions tackle Nadamik and Sue's 14th. Buffalo Bills quarterback record Mario Williams, 17. Wow. Um, These guys old, must have a lot of like car dealership deals back in Houston. Little old Eli Manning, despite winning his second Super Bowl at the Giants, was all the way down at 30. He's making his way up, though. He did the uh, whole Saturday Night Live thing. Right, and, and I'll talk more about that with my third thing. But really interesting uh, to see the list. If you want to look at it, you can Forbes. go to Forbes.com. Kind of a pain in the butt. It's 100 pictures. You know, so you gotta <laughs> uh, click through. Each you gotta one. click through each one. You know, David Beckham, eight. I wonder, I wonder if they do that so they could sell advertising on every page or something, or maybe they add Get change and every. Yeah, strange. A lot of websites do that though now. All right, my last thing this week, since we are talking fantasy football, and I hope to remember to bring this up with Michael Fabiano. Uh, we'll make our list of questions after this off the air. But I want to ask 
and maybe I can ask you too, Chris Johnson, on the other podcast, real quick to cross promote on our Sportscasters proper podcast, we did do our second mock draft. And on both of our mock drafts, first and second, version 1.0 and 2.0, neither of us had Chris Johnson in the top 10. Nope. And what I, what I want to ask Michael Fabiano is why the boys at ESPN seem to think it's it's an automatic. That I mean, they have him as like high as like the eighth, eighth. overall pick. Yeah. Uh, I think he that makes him their guy right behind uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, I think, as far as running backs go. I just don't understand why they think he's so, so much the safer pick than a guy like DeMarco Murray or especially like uh, a Ryan Matthews. But Chris Johnson's an interesting guy to me. I, I won't be touching him in the first round. I don't know why people think all of a sudden his work ethic or whatever is just going to be better this year. His quarterback – is going to be. I mean, doesn't he just shout to you a guy who got paid and fell off the map? It sure seems that way. I mean, it just. I he, mean, he might still have the speed. Uh, that shouldn't have gone away totally, I guess. So, I mean, maybe he's that home run hitter. But last year, when teams stacked up against him, he found he had no room, and I don't see a whole lot of reason to think he's going to find a, lot, a ton of extra room this year. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you on that, Don. I just don't. He's. I know this. He probably won't be on my team. Because when no, I need to ha- draft him, I'm not going to want to. I'll be excited to see someone take him in the first round because it means a guy that I like as first round talent maybe will fall to the second round. Yeah, and you know what? I uh, I'm getting high, I'm getting closer and closer to fully believing that Adrian Peterson is going to be a a guy you're going to have to draft no later in the second round if you want him. And you know a lot of that is based on what Ian told us last week but i will say and i don't know who does their draft kit but their 2012 draft kit for nfl.com i haven't like actually looked at whatever their kit is but on the front page of their draft kit they have the top five at each position and right now they have chris johnson as the number five running back wow behind jones drew ray rice lashawn mccoy and arian foster they also have your boy drew Brees as the number five quarterback which has to be a contract thing right but he's going to sign. He's so got to sign. So I guess this is a combination of rankings from Fabiano, Damashek, Matt Money-Smith, Adam Rank, and Jason Smith. Okay. So. They have Wes Welker as the number two receiver. Damashek has Breeze as the number seven quarterback. We'll have to talk to Dave we will about have to that. Talk to, yeah, that's, your, that's your boy there. Uh, fa- let's see. As far as Chris Johnson, Fabiano has him sixth. Damashek has him five. Matt Money-Smith, seven. Adam Rank, sixth. Jason Smith, four. So nobody has him worse than seven, which is one higher than what ESPN had him at eight. And really interestingly, Ryan Matthews would have been ahead of him, but Matt Money Smith has Ryan Matthews at 17. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, these are great questions to bring up with Fabiano. All right. My third thing today is we talked a little about Eli Manning and him kind of spreading his wings and coming more and more like his brother. Well, Imagine this. It's early Tuesday morning, and you're slowly steering your woebegone vehicle to work. First criteria, stop for coffee. This is according to (laughs) NFL.com. Just like any day, you bang right into the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. In Buffalo, we probably go to Tim Hortons. Uh, The line is moving painfully slow. There's a disturbance up ahead for some reason. Motorists are clamoring to shake hands with the window guy. Who shakes hands with the window guy? Well, everybody when it's Eli Manning. That's right. Eli Manning spent his Tuesday morning serving donuts. To people uh, through a promotion with the company. Uh, he did a nice job handing out donuts and connecting with the ever man. You may recall that uh, Rob Gronkowski previously also did this. So a great promotion for Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, donuts yeah. for sure. Getting NFL players to work their windows. 
pretty cool. I mean, not a lot more to say about it other than this. Don, if you were to drive through Dunkin' Donuts, who would be the athlete you would most want to hand you your coffee? Whew. In Buffalo, huh? Uh, I guess Thomas Vanek. I guess okay. if, you go, if you go football, jeez, uh, I guess Fred Jackson, Stevie Johnson, one of them. I guess for me it's Breezer Peterson, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to be here doing it, but no. <laughs> it's my dream. That's right. So, All right. That's going to just about do it for three things today, and I'm excited because that means we could take a break and come back and talk fantasy football with Michael Fabiano, the fantasy football editor for NFL Network and NFL.com. Our guest today is from Watertown, Connecticut, and is a graduate of Central Connecticut State. He is a member of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association Hall of Fame. In 2005, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association of America honored him for having the best series of columns about fantasy football. He has worked with NFL Today on CBS and is the first fantasy analyst to appear on one of the four major networks. Today is fantasy editor for NFL.com and NFL Network. He isn't an American operatic tenor. He likes to rock. A warm sportscaster's welcome to the very talented Michael Fabiano. What's up, Michael? What's going on, man? That was the longest intro I think I've ever gotten. <laughs> Since you were on last time, probably. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, we can't. We we're kind of to the point, I think, where we can't quite contain our excitement for football season and fantasy football mm-hmm. in general. And I don't know if it's a product of not necessarily having. The off season, like last off season, was so hard to get into fantasy mode because it was like, well, are we gonna even have games? And magazines didn't come out. And this year, it's mm-hmm. like the middle of June, and I'm in the grocery store, and there's magazines already. Do you get a feel that for whatever yeah. reason people are a little bit more anxious this year? Yeah, uh, I think just the the overall passion that fans have for not only fantasy football but the NFL. Um, it really does get the juices flowing a little bit earlier, especially you know, at this time of the year in June when you've got uh, you know guys who are uh, going to OTAs and teams that are uh, you know holding their their off season workouts, and you're seeing reports on Adrian Peterson and his recovery from an ACL, you know that kind of thing. So it's definitely getting the juices flowing, and uh, you know I mean we we've got what a month or so until training camp. I don't know where this year has gone. It's gone by so fast, but we are, uh, we are quickly getting into fantasy football mode here, especially at the uh, NFL.com and NFL network. Well, you know, on NFL.com, you guys have a, you guys got a bunch of content up already, including a really cool draft kit that has uh, player rankings that are basically a composite of five guys, yourself, our buddy, Dave Damashek, Matt Money mm-hmm. Smith, Adam Rank, and Jason Smith. So right. let's talk about some of this stuff on here. I, you can't speak mm-hmm. for them, obviously, but you know, speaking for yourself is good enough. Mm-hmm. The first thing that jumps out is Chris Johnson at number six for you. Why mm-hmm. do you feel, despite what happened last year, Chris Johnson is a top six running back in the National Football League for fantasy? Uh, I guess three reasons. First of which, we all know how good he can be. Because remember, just a few years ago, he was the consensus number one player in fantasy, not just the consensus number one running back. Uh, Number two, players are creatures of habit. Last year, everything was messed up. 
for the players. The lockout happened. Uh, there was no OTAs. There was uh, a lot of a lot of doubt in, in terms of whether or not we were going to have uh, a season. And then in terms of what Chris Johnson had to deal with, he held out as well. Right. So once the lockout ended, he didn't get to camp. And this year he's had uh, he's going to have a complete off season, OTAs, training camp, preseason, and I think he's motivated also. Um, and the third reason is look at the running back position. You're looking at some guys who in the past we thought uh, we knew we could we could really lean on, but now we're not sure. Adrian Peterson coming off an ACL, Richard Mendenhall coming off an ACL, Fred Jackson's coming off of a leg injury, and C.J. Spiller was really good at the end of last year. Michael Turner's 30. Uh, he's had 300-plus carries in three of his last four years. Frank Gore uh, was very good last year, but the Niners added like 20 running backs in the offseason. Steven Jackson's getting up there in age. Jamal Charles is coming off of an, of an ACL. Darren McFadden's coming off of uh, a foot injury. Matt Forte could hold out. Yeah, I mean, you get right. my drift. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot of sure things at the running back position. So I think CJ, a motivated CJ, a CJ who is uh, going to go through a traditional and typical offseason training camp and preseason, um, will bounce back. Is he going to be CJ2K and have those gigantic numbers uh, as he did when he broke Marshall Fox's scrimmage yards in the season record? Probably not, but. I have no doubt that CJ2K can get you 13 to 1400 rushing yards, double-digit touchdowns, somewhere around 40 receptions. Uh, again, he is—he is a guy who there's a little bit of risk, but when you look at the risk of a lot of other running backs, I think his risk is much less. He's healthy, he's young, and again, I think he'll be motivated. When assessing things like holdouts and contract disputes, when you're doing your rankings. At this point in the year, do you kind of rank assuming that that will work out, or is it? Do you still downgrade a guy like Matt Forte and um, the other one that jumped, oh Maurice Jones Drew, who could potentially hold out in Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Right, right now, are you still just kind of assuming those things work out, or are you yeah. downgrading already? Yeah, basically, no. Nah, that's the beauty of the internet, and um, you know, it's something you can't do when you're doing a print uh, a publication, you know, like a magazine, for example. Online, right now, I have Forte at eight. I have um, Morris Jones, who's still at four, four right. and um, I'm just holding there, and we'll see what happens because. If we get into training camp and Jones Drew is not there and we get into a situation where Forte is holding out, then at that point, I can drop these guys as I see fit. Uh, Adrian Peterson is another guy. I mean, I have him at 18 right now. I want to see what happens with this guy in training camp once he's actually starting to make cuts, hard cuts uh, on his reconstructed knee, when he's actually taking hits uh, from players in preseason then we have time to move things up. This is why you don't do your draft until right. you know, late August, uh, if, if you can help it. A lot of guys, they can't really help themselves. They need to do the draft in July because they're fired up, and that's great too. But um, things do change, and these rankings, I can, I can guarantee you right now, they're going to change probably <laughs> 10 to 20 times before uh, the, the new season kicks off with the Cowboys and Giants. Uh, Trent Richardson is the obvious huge addition to the running back position this year. He'll be the he'll be the rookie that will be most attractive to most fantasy owners. Is there another rookie or two that has slid into this position via the draft that interests mm-hmm. you from a fantasy pr- perspective? Well, you got to look at Doug Martin in Tampa Bay. Um, Legarrette Blunt did not perform well last year. Uh, really looked like a one-dimensional back. 
didn't block well, uh, had some fumbling issues, not a good pass catcher. Doug Martin appears to be a guy who can potentially be a three-down back. Do I think he's going to be a featured back? Uh, I, I don't know about that because looking at Blunt's still going to be in the mix, even if he's there in short-yarded situations or taking some, some goal-line work there. But uh, Doug Martin's a guy that you should definitely take a look at. Uh, really, uh, if, if Trent Richardson's number one for me, I think – Robert Griffin the third is two. Now okay. I want to I want to say that, and and also mention that he is not going to be Cam Newton. Cam Newton on NFL.com scored almost 370 fantasy points. That's ridiculous. He's not going to do that this year. Uh, and and to expect someone like Robert Griffin the third, who's got a similar skill set, to come in and do that, you can't. Can he score maybe 120 fewer and give you two two fifty somewhere in that area? I think so, and that's great for a rookie quarterback. That's phenomenal for our. Uh, any quarterback, that's a very good fantasy season, and it's because of that intangible skill set as a runner that he has. So can RG3 give you 600 rushing yards and, say, seven touchdowns on the ground? I think he certainly can. Uh, and, and when you couple that with his arm strength and the skins, they don't have great weapons in the passing game, but you've got Fred Davis, you've got Pierre Garçon, you've got Josh Morgan, uh, you've got Santana Moss. Uh, it looks like they're going to start uh, Leonard Hankerson this year. Uh, you've got Chris Cooley. So there's some options there. And he also has a very good pass catching tight end in, Roy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, running back in Roy Hillou and in Tim Hightower coming back from an ACL. So there are options there. I think RG3, while I wouldn't draft him as a number one fantasy quarterback, I would take him as a two who has the potential to be a pretty decent number one. Again, not Cam Newton, but a pretty good number one. You know, uh, we talked about some of the uncertainty at running back this year, yet when Don and I did our round one mock drafts, it mm-hmm. seems like it seems like it's still pretty much loaded with running backs. How many yeah. how many non what non running backs would you be willing to take in say a standard twelve team draft in the first round? Well, um, I think five quarterbacks right off the bat. Rodgers, Brady, Stafford, Newton, Breeze, those guys all warrant first-round picks. Callen Johnson warrants a first-round pick. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not the guy who takes wide receivers in the first round, and I'm not worried about a Megatron because of the Madden curse, per se, although I wish it wasn't him uh, and it was somebody else because we know how fantastic he is, but I think he's worth the first-round pick. Honestly, the running backs that I would take in the first round, and if we're talking a 12-team league, it's Arians, number one. Rice is two. McCoy is three. Jones Drew is four right now, but I think Ryan Matthews could pass him if, if Jones Drew holds out. Chris Johnson. I think those are the guys who are worth first-round picks. And even Matthews, I think, is more of like 11 or 12. So if you are in a 10-team league, maybe he's the first or second pick in the second round. Because as much as I love Ryan Matthews this year, and I've liked this guy ever since he's come out of Fresno State, there's no guarantee He's a featured back, yeah, but the guy has had injury issues too. So he is in a position to succeed. And with all of the big names that are hurt at the position this year, where you have question marks that weren't there in the past, you're going to end up taking a chance on a guy like Orion Matthews. You just don't want to take on a chance too soon. Uh, and, and this is from somebody who's been doing this in this business for, for 12 years. And I've been a running back guy every year, every single year, even last year, I was a running back guy. And I did well with my leagues with that strategy. But because of all the injuries, because of the, the, the backfield committees, because of the emergence of quarterbacks, I just don't feel like it's a smart move to take a chance on a Matthews, take a chance on a Forte, take a chance on a McFadden 
when I can get Tom Brady, when I can get Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, man, it, like this is strange coming out of my mouth, and I still have to sort of think about it twice before I say it because I've been going the other way forever. Now, that's not to say that I'm going to take, um, you know, I'm going to be afraid to take a Matthews or a CJ again early, uh, late in a first round, beginning of the second round. And I'm not going to only target an elite quarterback in round one. It all depends on where my draft position is because if you get a Foster or Rice, a McCoy, a Jones, Drew, um, uh, you know, a Matthews, a CJ, 2K at some point within those first 12 picks, you can wait on a quarterback. I mean, you can get Ben Roethlisberger probably after round six, round seven. CJ, uh, I'm sorry, uh, RG3, the same thing. You could probably get him at that point. There's going to be good value at the quarterback position in the middle rounds. The thing that uh, it just bothers me and why I've switched a little bit from going almost strictly running back in round one is because the risk is not, uh, is not as valuable. It, it, there's not as much reward uh taking one of these guys who could break out or could have a good year or coming off of injuries as opposed to taking a sure thing. And to me, Drew Brees is a sure thing. Tom Brady is a sure thing. Aaron Rodgers is a sure thing. Um, that's, that's where I think at this point in not only the NFL but fantasy football, you, you're looking at sort of best player available. You know, every, uh, every year there's a guy or two that I know, regardless of situation, isn't going to be on my team. Just mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Are there a couple mm-hmm. guys, regardless of position, that you kind of zeroed in on that you know aren't going to end up on any of your teams this year? See, I, I never say never because if I'm in a league where nine other people have the same exact mindset and say a guy like Deshaun Jackson, who I don't like, falls to me in you know late, somewhere in round seven, round eight, something like that, round nine, I'm not going to say never. But... Deshaun Jackson is a guy I don't like. I think he's had one good year from a fantasy perspective. Um, yeah, he was in a contract last season. He was 27 in fantasy points at wide receiver. Um, uh, Michael Turner, I mentioned him. Uh, I'll never say never, but I don't like the fact that he's 30 coming off of his third 300-carry season in four years. That bothers me a little bit. LeRon Robinson, maybe I can say definitely. I'm not taking him. Tony Romo didn't go to, to Jacksonville with him. I <laughs> great year, a great option off the, off the fantasy waiver wire last year. I think he falls considerably um, this season. And Frank Gore, another guy I'm worried about, as I mentioned, they've added a lot of running backs, and uh, that worries me. He's also getting up there in age. He's coming off a year where he had a lot of carries. Um, and that definitely concerns me. Redskins running backs, too. Those guys scare me. As much as Halu has got some upside and, he, and he's versatile, if we learned anything last year, it was that Mike Shanahan hates our fantasy teams because <laughs> you had Halu, you had Hightower first, and then Royster at the end of the year. Uh, terrain was used a little bit, so you never know. I will definitely try to avoid Redskins running backs unless it's a flex starter, and that would be Halu, and that's even stretching things. You know, with the rumors that um, Rashard Mendenhall might start the year on PUP, there's been a lot of buzz for Isaac Redman as a mm-hmm. potential sleeper. Um, who are some other guys that you're starting to zero in on as guys who can potentially get you some value later in the draft? Well, I think you have to look at a couple things. You have to look at youth upside, and you have to look at opportunity. <clears throat> so Isaac Redman's going to have opportunity, so he, there's some sleeper value there, no doubt about it. I think, I think the Steelers are going to throw it quite a bit um, with, with Todd Haley now calling the plays, but uh, there's, there's going to be enough opportunity there for Redman to be a sleeper, but keep in mind that he could only be a six-game sleeper because once Mendenhall back comes back, there's a potential for Redmond to lose some of his value, so maybe he becomes 
a sell high candidate. Uh, Eric Decker in, in Denver. I mean, Jacob Tammy in Denver. Peyton Manning's presence there is going to increase their value. Denarius Moore in Oakland. Uh, he averaged around 19 yards a catch last year. He was very explosive when he was on the field. He had some injuries, uh, but Carson Palmer clearly has a rapport and likes this kid. He can make plays. Uh, I mentioned Doug Martin as another guy. Toby Gerhardt, same kind of thing. If you look at his numbers, when Adrian Peterson was not in the game, he was pretty good. I, I had Gerhardt in a couple of leagues, and he was basically a must-star for me because um, he was putting up very solid numbers in Peterson's absence. If Peterson can't start the season, well, maybe Gearhart comes in uh, and plays a much bigger role. Again, that's something we have to take a look at. Josh Freeman in Tampa Bay, very good year two years ago. Last year, very subpar. This year, he gets Vincent Jackson. He's got uh, some weapons in the pass attack, hopefully a better backfield. Uh, he definitely has an improved offensive line, especially with the addition of Carl Nix. So uh, he's a guy who could have some value. Robert Meacham in San Diego, now, what makes me skeptical about him is that he could never break out and be a fantasy guy that you can rely on in New Orleans and that offense with Drew Brees, but There's now he's got Rivers. The offense is still going to be explosive, but now he'll have even more opportunity because he's the number one guy there. Right. Uh, so Meacham is someone to watch, too. Uh, the Sportscasters Football Nation here finishing up with Michael Fabiano, who you can follow on Twitter at Michael underscore Fabiano. He's all over the NFL Network. I was saying to him off air, I love that. I love how how much the NFL Network has kind of committed to fantasy and and brought mm-hmm. fantasy out to the f- to the forefront. Yep. Let's talk about the game for the last two minutes we have you here. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like you guys have done a great job improving things on NFL.com and making the game even better. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what's new this year and and what's easier and plans for apps and things like that? Well, I think the coolest thing uh, this year is that we have auctions. So you're not just sort of relegated to snake drafts. So you can get in and do an auction. Uh, the draft room, the client's been completely rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, it's got a new streamlined interface. Uh, it, it's, it's basically the newest draft client on the web, and I've been involved in testing in it. It's great. You guys are going to love it. Um, you can import your league history, so if you want to move from ESPN or Yahoo or another site where you've been playing fantasy football for uh, a few years, you can actually now get in there and import your league history over to NFL.com. Uh, we have a watch list now. We have league power rankings, uh, matchup and standings, tiebreakers, multi-week playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of new features. Uh, on top of the things that we did last year, you know, we added IDPs, and again, everything is fully customizable. We have a, a customizable draft board for people who are in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, which is fantastic, and I don't know of a lot of sites, if any, that have that feature as well. And we're 100% free. So go to NFL.com slash fantasy, sign up, uh, sign up for many leagues. And um, I tell you, we are the official, uh, you know, we're the official fantasy football league of the National Football League. So it doesn't get much better than that. And you're right, we have really become committed to fantasy football. You're going to see NFL Fantasy Live go to an hour this year. Um, You're going to see a lot more presence uh, from a fantasy perspective on NFL Network. So it's, it's been great, um, and uh, it's been a busy offseason, uh, but we're ready to roll. And we're the only ones who focus on football 365, uh, unlike other sites that go to baseball, go to basketball, go to hockey. Football, is, is, that's our be-all, end-all. So we have a lot of great contributors, as you mentioned, myself, Damashek, Elliot Harrison, Adam Rain, Jason Smith, Matt Money Smith, um, 
We've got everything you need for your fantasy needs. And one feature that you added that I love that you didn't mention is uh, free. Uh, the live scoring has highlights this year, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's well, no, it has. It we actually came in with our new platform with the highlights. Okay. So you, you the highlights have always been there. So you can basically, if Chris Johnson's on your fantasy team and he scores a seventy-five yard touchdown, uh, you will be able to see that very quickly after it happens in our game. And the fantasy football show on Sunday mornings that's on NFL.com yep. is going to be longer this year, too? No, that is still going to be uh, 90 minutes. 90 and minutes. The, the NFL fantasy live shows during the week, okay. which were 30 minutes last year, will be going to 60 this year. Awesome. Thank you so much yep. for everything, Michael. You got it. Anytime. Thank you. All right, I want to thank Michael Fabiano for joining us today. Really exciting. Talk a little fantasy football there. Really enjoyed that. I want to thank everyone again for checking out episode 11 of the podcast last week with Ian Rappaport. We're really pumped with uh, kind of how that one turned out. If you have any questions for us, you want to email us about anything, don't be afraid to. Our email address is sportscasters at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at sports underscore casters. And for more information about this podcast and everything, on Football Nation, you can follow them at FBall Nation. Uh, don't forget to check out Season 2, Episode 24 of the Sportscasters Proper, featuring interviews with Alan Shipnuck, Ed Sherman, and Joe Lemire. You can find that at www.sports-casters.com and also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Uh, last piece of business for today is this week on Football Nation. You can... Uh, our podcast, if you found it, you likely know that it's hosted at www.footballnation.com along with a wealth of other uh, great articles about football. And each week, Don and I kind of close the show by picking one out. And uh, why don't you get us started with that this week, Don? All right. I know we call this This Week in Football Nation, but I'm going to go back in the spirit of fantasy football and pick an article by a fellow Buffalo native named Joshua Bauer who says he's native Swampton, Gainesville. So he's a, a Buffalo transplant. Anyway, he has an article from May 22nd earlier this year about five fantasy tips for beginners. So if you're new to fantasy football and the whole fantasy thing, which it's hard to believe anybody out there is new to fantasy, check out his article. Uh, he gives you five tips, and I'll just read the headlines here real quick. Don't draft the home team slash whole team. I, I tend to agree with that. I like having a hometown player, If I, all things being equal. I might as well have a guy I want to root for, but I don't like to have a bunch of guys from the same team. Beware of the buy, which I'll get back to that one. Uh, three bad teams still have great fantasy players. Jones Drew has been the poster child for that. Don't believe last season's hype. I totally agree with that. I never like to buy high on a guy, despite my love for uh, Rob Gronkowski is in his draft area. And injuries are often game-time decisions. I think he's just telling you to keep an eye on the lineup. The only one I don't agree with is be aware of the buy. He says to make sure you don't have too many guys in the same buy because then you're going to lose that week. Well, I'd rather have all my players on one buy get crushed that week and then have that advantage for the rest of the season. But uh, to each his own, I guess, uh, I really don't look at the buys at all when drafting other than if I'm drafting, say, like a back. If you have a league that has real strict rules about you must have Rosters. two quarterbacks. Right. Uh, if When I'm drafting my second quarterback, I'll pick a guy that has a nice matchup during my other quarterback's bye week. All right. Uh, in the spirit of the Fantasy Football Show and Michael Fabiano joining us today, I also went with the Fantasy Football article. Written on June 17, 2012 by a guy named Daniel Kimber. Uh, it's his fifth article at Football Nation. And basically, 
he writes that Trent Richardson is not the next Adrian Peterson. You know, it's interesting in the all of the Trent Richardson hype, it seems like we have had a little bit of backlash develop. You know, some people are saying that he's overrated, you know, that people are putting too much <laughs> it's amazing. into him. He hasn't him. touched the fields yet. Right, and I... Look at I don't think anyone's the next Adrian Peterson. Anyone who's listened to five minutes of this podcast knows how much I love Adrian and and I think I think the their, their builds are similar and their situations are stepping into are similar. So I think that that's why the comparison comes up. And you know Peterson was passed over by the Browns, sure, yeah. and that was a big reason why they weren't going to pass over Richardson this time. Yep. But you know what? I don't know if Richardson's going to be the next P- Peterson, but he doesn't need to be to be great. Um, you know, Peterson is, I think, destined to be in the Hall of Fame someday. And, you know, Trent Richardson can be a very good fantasy football player yeah, and not be a Hall of Famer, right? right? I mean, uh, Priest Holmes is one of the best fantasy football players of all time. He'll ne- he won't get anywhere near the Hall of Fame. No, right. So those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, but... Great points made by Daniel Kimber, and I wanted to mention that article. All right, that's it for today. Again, thank you to Michael Fabiano, the editor of Fantasy at NFL Network and NFL.com. We're getting really excited for fantasy football. We're going to do it again next week with Jay Clements from Bleacher Report and the National Football Post. In the meantime, let's go to California. Maybe it's cooler there. Yeah. Spend my days with a woman unkind, smoking a stolen